0: This week's podcast brought to you by Roof Pudding.
1: We were at an AAU basketball tournament this weekend, um, and kids played two games on Saturday. And so you thought they would all be very hungry after on Saturday night. And so you asked me during the second game to order eight pizzas. Eight pizzas, eight large peaches, which seemed like a lot for 10 kids and their parents, but I duly ordered them anyway.
0: There's uh, about 30 people total 30 when you were people counting total. parents well, and okay. siblings.
1: From the same uh, place where the tournament was and um, at the Frank Pepe attached. And so I did that. And when the game was over, I went down to retrieve the eight pizzas along with uh, another uh, teammate's parent who was also retrieving the eight pizzas that he had ordered. As a result, we had 16 pizzas. Five of them got consumed and 11 of them went home and Ziploc baggies
2: sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.
1: Last week we gave listeners the treat of a 30-minute podcast. This week an even bigger treat. I'm just going to hang up and listen to your tales of wondrous adventure in Hollywood this past week.
0: Would it be hang up and listen? Or would it be just like pick up the phone and listen? Where does the hang up and listen come from? I mean, people
1: from? call into a radio show. I'm, I'm, oh, right. They I'm, ask I'm, their question and they in, say,
0: I'm going to hang up and listen. I'm, I'm living
1: in of 1987, of no, course. No, of course. Yeah. I'll, I'll hang up and listen. I'll take, your, I'll take your information off the air. These are phrases that, are they still in use? I don't know. I haven't listened to commercial radio in, since. Well, I, we did for a while because the satellite radio ran out in your mm-hmm. car. But- I'm not hanging up and listening right now. I'm going to hang up and listen to your Tales of Epic Adventure.
0: Before I get into the Epic Adventure, the hang up and listen made me think of this. The other day, I was talking, I had to call our son and ask him a question, or he called me, I don't remember. And we need to teach him. He just recently got a cell phone. We need to teach him that when you answer your phone, you say hello, and then at the end of the conversation, you say goodbye. I think this like this whole generation of kid just as used to, because they're just used to FaceTime where they just, I guess, end the call. They're not used to the hello and the goodbye.
1: Fortunately, our friend Catherine Perlman has written a book called My First Phone, has sent us a copy. And uh, we will we will talk to her in a future podcast about phone etiquette, among other things. But I did call have to call our son the other day as well, I think the same day. And he answered with, what?
0: Yeah, it was the same phone call. You called him and he answered with what? And then you gave me, you talked to him about something. I don't even remember why we needed to call him. And then you gave me the phone. And then at the end, it, he just left. He he hung up without saying goodbye. So we just need, we haven't talked to him about that yet. We need and, to make sure he understands. And in his defense,
1: important. he's, he's been raised by wolves, lobos in your case. <laughs> and he, he, um, he would have no way of knowing how to, use. he's never answered the phone.
0: Right. And, and and we don't ever really talk on the phone. So it's not like he's, not like when we were kids and we often, we would be in the kitchen when one of our parents answered the phone and said, hello, and then finished their phone call with a goodbye.
1: Were you one of those families that, that, that answered the phone with um, Lobo residents? No. Whom may I say is calling? <laughs>
0: No, were you one of those families who answered uh, are you and said kidding? Lobo residents? We,
1: we we strangely we answered with moshi moshi.
0: <laughs> no, we, we just answered with a hello and and left with a goodbye.
1: Well, I, I so much for me hanging up and listening. I'm hanging up and talking.
0: Oh yes. Yeah. So let's so let's go back. So it was a week ago today as we record this Tuesday that flew to LA and brought our seventeen year old and uh and there were a couple things that that I found interesting just on the flight out. One of the lovely um, perks of flying as much as I do is that uh, our daughter and I were seated in first class, but we did not have-
1: May I, may I pause you there for a second? Yes. I'm hanging up and interrupting. Yes. I've never heard anybody fly first class without apologizing for and and making an excuse for having flown first class. I, I got an upgrade, so I flew first class. Correct. Right. Um, anyway. Because you don't
0: want somebody to think that you actually paid the ridiculous amounts of money it costs to purchase. Or that you're the kind of person class. who flies first class. Right. Exactly. So anyway, we were both flying first class, however, we did not have seats together. And we got on the plane. I sat down. because. I was in row one, which is the least appealing row in first class. The bulkhead. The bulkhead. There's nowhere to put your bag, nowhere to really put your legs.
1: Were you flying through Atlanta?
0: No, through Minneapolis.
1: You did not have the bulkhead in Buckhead.
0: Correct. So I said to her, I'll I'll see if um, the person who was supposed to sit next to me will trade with you because they are getting a more appealing seat versus asking somebody to take a less appealing seat. These are tales of Hollywood stars. Yes. So this guy was sitting down the seat next to me and our daughter went like to the third row or wherever she was and sat down and I just asked the gentleman next to me I said would you mind moving back two rows so my daughter can sit with me no no problem so the
1: the glamour of Tinseltown you're painting a picture
0: (laughs) so he he's like a middle-aged guy he goes back and and our daughter gets up and moves up uh, to sit with me says to the other uh middle-aged guy next who is now next to him sorry that you had to trade that pretty girl for me. And part of me would just like cringed because it was our 17-year-old that he was talking about, you know, sorry that you had to trade that pretty girl for me. I was just like, ew. <laughs> and
1: Harkening back to the days when you actually did trade a girl.
0: <laughs> well, and then the other part on the flight that kind of made me laugh was... um before we took off when the flight attendant came by and and was taking drink orders and uh you know when people are getting their coffee or their booze or whatever and our daughter asked for apple juice um it was just kind of sweet because the the flight attendant t- took a double take like apple juice and what like what's the hard part of that beverage it can't possibly just be apple juice oh you want a larry's hard pers- apple blast. juice right um so anyway i i thought that was uh that was kind of sweet and and we got to LA and because of the time change we had a 6am flight out of Hartford. We connected and we still got to LA at like 1030 in the morning. It was crazy.
1: So you hop in a car at LAX with your dream and your cardigan.
0: Right. Exactly. She may have had a cardigan. Um, and we went to the Roosevelt Hotel, Roosevelt, Roosevelt, how do they pronounce it out there?
1: Well, if you pronounce it correctly, Roosevelt.
0: Roosevelt. And site uh, of
1: the first, first, very first Oscars.
0: It was a re- It's a really cool hotel and, um, you know, we checked in poolside like the ESPY guests um, got to check in poolside. The whole reason that I was there, I have never been to the ESPYs in L.A., um, only in New York years and years ago. The whole reason I was there was for an, a, a part of the show, if anybody saw it, where they had this incredible musical performance and um, it. it, it as part of a Title IX thing where they brought a bunch of um, current and former female athletes up on stage. So that's that's why I was there to be a part of that. But um, you were also sort of, uh, part of the
1: incorporated into the musical performance. You did some rhythmic hand clapping in the Well, background. they told us
0: like at the end to just kind of.
1: Yeah, you were like one of the pips. Or, yeah.
0: So I did. So anyway, so we go, we pick up our, uh, or we check in poolside in like this VIP area by the pool where they have massage chairs and people actually giving massages and somebody there doing hair and makeup if you want that. And anyway, our daughter was now, Was living... the person
1: giving a massage involved in this event or were did they just happen to be a person poolside giving massages? No,
0: they were they were hired to be uh to be doing this. And um anyway, our daughter was yeah. like in heaven just hanging out poolside. And uh and so when we finally got our room key went up, I said, What do you want to do? She's like, I want to go back and sit by the pool um and so that's what we did you know our, our daughter seamlessly um doug edgart was there who was you know one of the stars of the men's uh tournament well, for, March for, Madness. for people for
1: people who watched the tournament yeah he was the kid with the mustache from St. Peter's. <laughs> yes,
0: the kid with the mustache from St. Peter's was there. He was he mustachioed was, Cinderella. <laughs> he was super nice guy, and he was there with his girlfriend. and our daughter, like just started hanging out um, with him and his girlfriend because you know they're close enough in age. I was talking to his dad for for quite a while. Um, but it was it was almost like,, uh, you know, you know, we've—I think we've used this reference many times before—but the Star Wars cantina. You would just sit poolside and wait, and uh, to see who was coming next. And and our daughter and I would sit there and uh,
1: realizing, of course, that you are are one of the creatures in the cantina. Sure,
0: sure. We, and and then we were when we were sitting poolside, um, when people would come in, we'd say, "All right, first if it was a group of people." You know, two or three people. Which one is the athlete, and then which sport are they? Because at one point, a super fit woman and a super fit man were together. So we're like, hmm, which one's the athlete? And it ended up being that she was the athlete. She was a boxer. Um, and anyway, it was like, it was it was an enjoyable um experience hanging out by the pool. And then, if I'm uh, not
1: mistaken, you had to run an errand, and Doug Eddard and his and his girlfriend Olivia. More or less, babysat our, our eldest.
0: Well, yeah, I, I needed to just run across the street, and uh, I think I needed to get hair gel for our daughter or something. And uh, and at this point, she was kind of hanging out with them. I said, "Do you guys mind if she like continues to hang out with you while I go across the street?" And they're like, "No, great," you know. And um, so did that. And then that night, um, there was the Players Tribune party, and uh, and we went to that. Um, and that was an absolute blast. There was a, a number of WNBA players there who we got to see, and uh, but it was the, that was the same night as the Major League Baseball All Star Game, and so some, also in Los Angeles, also in Los Angeles, yes. And so, at one point, our our daughter said to me, she's like, "Mom, like right there, kind of in the area next to us, that's Miles Teller." And I said, "Who's Miles Teller?" She's like, "Are you serious? You know, he's in the new Top Gun." Uh, movie. You thought
1: it was her friend, Miles, bank teller. <laughs>
0: right. And uh, she's like, I'm, I, I would like, you know, I might go say hello. And at, at that point, Ryan Ruco was talking to somebody who was in Miles Teller's uh, group of friends. So he, he brought our daughter over and introduced um, our daughter to Miles. And so I quickly Googled him. And I saw that he was the drummer from Whiplash. Whiplash. He
1: was the star of Whiplash. star of Whiplash. Whiplash. Whiplash, one Simmons. of my
0: favorite movies. I of love that movie. Love that movie. It's just he was played. It was a, ten years ago. Yeah, and he played a boy in that movie, and uh like a high school boy. And uh anyway, so he could not have been nicer to our daughter. And uh later on much later on in the evening, um, when he was leaving the party, he walked by me and um just incredibly nice just said to me you know i enjoyed meeting your daughter and then so i talked to him i said you know whiplash was was one of my favorite movies and it was interesting he said that's how i became friends with kobe uh he said um i read in an article that kobe bryant said that he loved the movie whiplash he said so i started following him on twitter he's like in typical kobe fashion he um you know direct messaged me and we struck up a friendship and uh and he said you know I've heard from a lot of athletes that this movie really resonates with them. And I told him, I said, well, said uh, you know, Gino Oriyama for a couple of years was showing that movie to his team, uh, which is true. I remember you and I seeing seeing the movie and I immediately texted Gino and said, like, you know, this movie, the JK. J. K. Simmons, who you Simmons also spent time with at some yeah, event years ago. Yeah. He at,
1: plays a sort of Bobby Knightish, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, like jazz Musical band instructor coach, yeah.
0: yeah and I, I just said to gino i said you yeah, know the jk simmons character just really reminds me of of you and how he kind of demands greatness out of this drummer anyway so i was telling my, this to miles you know gino Oriama and, and has shown this to some of his teams and um anyway it was uh it was interesting because as that whole thing's going on like at the at the foot of the stage in the stage during the day the stage is a pool so there's a pool on the top top of this i don't even know what hotel we were in or where we were um and then they like cover the pool with um something and then that became the stage for the live performance later on in the evening but uh but like at the foot of the pool slash stage for much of the night was the actor john ham um just hanging out with his girlfriend and people pretty much completely leaving him alone um with the
1: exception of our daughter
0: with the no that it was the next night at the espy after party where she went over and said hello to him then but uh but anyway it was just um it, it was just really fun to kind of experience this kind of thing with her and sort of through her eyes because um you know she's never been to a party like this she's never met somebody who she's then you know watched in movies and uh at least not as as an adult and um and
1: she gets to learn at an early age that you know it's just a guy who makes movies right <laughs> right exactly. and also-
0: in, in, in this case the nice part was it was it was a really nice guy um yeah. you know and not a guy who was like surrounded by an entourage who was who was unkind like he engaged her in conversation he was um he was a, r- a really nice guy he was and, wearing
1: uh, a phillies jersey yeah he was wearing his Phillies jersey requiring Imbuing you with some humility right off the bat, yeah. and
0: I think you said like he's he is the father of a couple of kids. I, I
1: have no idea. I think he's from Philadelphia though, oh. and you mentioned his friendship with Kobe.
0: Okay, um, but I think he may ha- have kids, and and who knows if that influences how you act towards somebody else's kid or how you treat other people. But um, but he he was great, and uh, and I now look forward to seeing Top Gun.
1: He's Rooster in Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the next night, our daughter did uh, meet John Hamm and, yes. uh, and take a well, selfie and Holly Ro- Thompson and yes. a host of others. I kept getting all these uh, selfies on my phone.
0: Yes, and, and it, one of the good things was that Holly Rowe was out at the ESPYs as well, and Holly is always up for a good time, um, which is a good balance for me, who I'm just never up for a good time. <laughs>
1: And so uh, we've, we've talked about this on the podcast before. It's not that you're never up for a good time. It's, it's I'm never up. You're, you're never up and you're no fun. (laughs) Right. When you add those two things together, it makes for a dull girl, a dull girl. Anyway, a tall dull girl. So
0: like, so even at this party, when, when the musical performer came out and, 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 you know, so Siobhan had Holly who those two were up, you know, right up by the stage dancing and having a blast. And, uh, and then the next day, we went to the ESPYS, which was re- which was really cool. Got to walk the red carpet. Um, Is that the Dolby
1: Theater where the Oscars are? Yeah,
0: red carpet. I've I've never been comfortable walking those kinds of things, but um, our daughter was having a blast with it. It was it was fun to to uh, to be standing next to her, um, and uh, and then you know, so at the ESPYS, and after the, and part of that show which i i I really enjoyed i thought it was fun they
1: said who are you wearing they shouted who are you wearing and you said tj (laughs) maxx
0: something like that i actually have no idea who i was wearing um and uh so then right after the SBS, uh there was like the post party and we went there and and that had a pool that wasn't covered. One, Some of the entertainment was women dressed as mermaids in like a synchronized swimming thing in the pool, which was interesting. Uh, but yeah, that was loaded with athletes. So our daughter there met Clay Thompson. Loaded with
1: loaded athletes.
0: <laughs> well, were there early enough that they weren't yet loaded. Well, it, monetarily. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's true in, true. in every way. And uh, so at one point, because I was sitting down, our daughter said, you know, can we go for a walk um, kind of around the pool, which is what was just... Packed with people, so we did. And on our walk, she's like, "Mom, this is Suni Lee. Can I get a picture with Suni Lee, the Olympic gymnast?" And and said, "Well, ask her." And of course, she was super. She treated these people and, as,
1: as as animate cardboard cutouts. Yes, who yes. who existed solely for uh, yes uh, selfies.
0: A- and at one point, it was kind of cool. This is right before our daughter m- this time met John Hamm. Um, stand like I was seated, and standing right next to me was uh, Sedona Prince who plays basketball at Oregon and is a huge TikTok star, and she's 6'7". And also there was Cameron Brink, who is a terrific uh, player for Stanford. And she's 6'4", 6'5", but she had a couple-inch heels on. And our daughter's 6'3", and had a couple-inch heels on. But still, like when she was standing next to those two, she was the shortest uh, well, she, woman in the group, which she isn't necessarily used when to. When
1: I picked her up at 12.02 a.m. At, at the Hartford Airport after her carriage had turned back into a pumpkin. Right. And we were driving home. She said people were asking me at the poolside, you know, what what you know, what sport do I play, you know? And, and I said, "Oh, I'm 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 not an athlete." And I said, "What do you mean you're not an athlete? You you've played tennis, volleyball, basketball." Uh Well, you tennis. can un- and she and she said, "No, I mean I'm not an athlete. I'm not there as an athlete for the ESPYs or whatever." I said, I- "You
0: can understand. I mean, she's surrounded by Olympic gold medalists and uh, you know NBA I, champions, I, 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 I do so I'm uh, her father, and
1: I refuse to well, right, concede that. Right.
0: Right. Um, and uh, so then after that, we normally I would have gone right to bed, but um, there was one more party for us to go to, and uh, so we went, um, which was good because it was um, it was a party that was driven by uh, music and dancing, and uh, and so again. Holly was there, our daughter was there and those two were were cut in the rug. Uh,
1: in my head, I keep hearing uh, uh, Bob Seeger's Hollywood Nights and those Hollywood hills.
0: And so anyway, ha- just having a great time and, and but one of the things that was funny to me and it kind of brings you back to a place that um, you forget about until you revisit it and that was um, one thing our daughter was worried about she's like, am I going to be able to get into these places? you know am I going to be able to get into these parties? And um, I said, yeah, it doesn't say, you know, it has to be over 21. But she was really kind of starting to, to stress about that. And um, as it happened, you know, like the SB after party, just if you're not 21, you just get the different color bracelet, you know. And so it's not it wasn't a big deal, but it was it was a worry for her. Am I going to be able to get in? And, and, and
1: lest people think that this is some kind of, you know, birthright of I have to get into this Hollywood party or this is a kid who the morning after she got back. Was going back to work at the YMCA. This right, is this right. is a complete yeah. anomaly.
0: No, I'm no, I'm just saying. Like, um, I know well, what you're
1: saying, of course. But but,
0: but you. This forget, is your one
1: opportunity to do something like this. Well, but
0: but also you forget, like, when you're in college and you're not yet 21. Sometimes that's your big worry. You want to go out with your friends, but am I going to be able to get in because I'm not 21? And and I just want to be able to get in and be able to be with my friends, and. Uh, Anyway, fortunately, um,
1: or my mom and her friends in this case, (laughs) right?
0: Fortunately, it wasn't an issue because you know we weren't going anywhere that didn't have the option for an under twenty-one person to go in. Um, And uh, and I said, besides, said no place ever got in trouble for um, having somebody who wasn't drinking, (laughs) having a younger person who wasn't drinking there. It's called like a bar slash restaurant. You're fine. but, uh, but yeah, I am definitely glad that she got the, uh, the, you know, outgoing, dancing, having fun gene from someone in our family.
1: Wasn't me either. So. I know.
0: It was from someone. One of the coolest places for me, actually, was um, they brought us probably 20 minutes early um, backstage. Uh, all of the female athletes who were going to be on stage for this performance, they brought us backstage like 20 minutes prior to when we were going to go out. So we were just kind of hanging out back there, waiting for our, our time to go on. And as we're waiting, like five feet away, you know, Steph Curry is waiting also for his next time on stage. Or all of a sudden, he I look over. Host. He was the host. All of a sudden, I look over, I'm like, oh that guy looks really familiar. That's The Rock. And uh, because he had a significant part of the show presenting stuff and talking about the XFL and whatever. And but you had
1: to place his face? What's that? You had to place his face? No,
0: I did not have to place his face or his physique because he's a huge dude. Yeah. Um, I, I,
1: I stood next to him backstage at a WWE uh, Monday night, whatever, at in Atlanta years ago.
0: I just assumed that like he lied about his height, but he was eye to eye with me, so he was like, at least six four. You thought he was six, Tom Cruise like, like yeah. he was actually 5'6"? No, six. I didn't think that. But I, did, I was like, oh, he's probably like six two or six three. And I, bet he's, I don't know what he's listed, but he's at least six five. Um, uh, and, uh, how
1: how cynical do you have to be about show business and and fame and stuff to have thought that The Rock was actually a tiny guy who, who, who through the magic a, of Hollywood,
0: not a tiny guy. Right. I don't think anyone would say six three is a tiny guy, but. um Anyway, it was it was it was interesting to be back there as sort of, you know, the changing of the guard was happening.
1: And then the next morning, you flew on to Nevada for a speaking thing, and our daughter flew solo—not Amelia Earhart like solo, but flew as a passenger on a on an airplane.
0: Yeah, and even though she's seventeen, she's never flown unaccompanied before. And uh, but I I felt good about it because her flight was to take off like. 45 minutes before mine. We were at nearby gates to each other so I went and sat at her gate and but of course her flight was delayed and mine was not so I did not get the comfort of the as a parent of seeing her board the plane and take off and know she was going to be okay at least until she got to Atlanta. Instead I I took off first to head to Nevada, not Nevada but Nevada, And uh, for a speaking engagement, it was pretty cool. I went to Reno, uh, I went to Carson City, to the Capitol, to the governor's, um, to the governor's mansion to be the first female keynote speaker at an event in the 53 years. This is the 53rd governor's dinner um, to benefit University of uh, Nevada Athletics and first time they've ever had a woman speaker, and I guess,
1: and you told them that their next fifty consecutive would be women. well,
0: their next fifty one or fifty two consecutive would, of course, be women, so that they could even it out. Um, the women laughed at that; the men not so much. But I guess it even used to be a stag event, like the women would come and set up um, all the tables and chairs, and then leave so the men could have uh, have their nice night. But it was a, it was a that's really how, really how- nice event. A lot
1: of events were up until...
0: Right, of course, however many years ago. It was a a great event. The governor could not have been more gracious, he and and his wife. um, I had a blast out there. And uh, we had a reception. There was a reception before the event started. And uh, we're taking pictures and meeting people. And a woman came over and she said... I listen to the Ball and Chain podcast, um, and then she started laughing and said something about the nine dollar coffee. And I'm like, "Well, she clearly listens to yeah, the podcast." Yeah, that's, a, that's so, a deep cut. Yes, a shout out to her. I, I did not expect in Carson City, Nevada, Why to uh, to have a, a Ball and Chain podcast listener come over and say hello at the governor's mansion. I don't know. It just it took me a little bit by surprise. And as great as the event was, in Uh, Nevada the everlasting image in my brain when I think of my trip to Nevada will be this I landed went to a hotel for a couple hours before it was time for the event and I don't even remember which casino hotel it was Um, and they graciously brought me up to this beautiful suite and I walked into the suite there was like a seating area there was a bar Um, then I walked in, turned the corner and there was the bedroom and to the left of the bed was a huge glassed shower, glass encased or the the shower was encased in glass. Yes. (laughs) You know what I mean? The shower had like all of the walls? the walls of the shower were glass.
1: There was a common wall between the bedroom and the shower. So you could see through the shower.
0: I wouldn't say it was even a wall. I would say the the glassed. The
1: encased, shower was in the shower bedroom.
0: Shower was in the bedroom, and that was so that was to the left of the bed, and then to the right of the bed was a tub, like up on a um, like an elevated tub platform on a platform, yeah, and so the bedroom also had a tub and a shower in it, and so. To the point where I, I did shower and so I had to close the drapes so I could shower because the, the shower was in the bedroom. I do have video of this that I will post on our um, ball and chain Instagram at ball and chain pod. And
1: that is, is that when you learned you were sharing a room? <laughs> yeah,
0: right. It was just because we've talked before when I had to stay in that hotel in Detroit when I missed my flight and and I went in and that had a purple like hot tub yeah. in the bedroom I, that had mirrors around I it. I
1: once stayed in a bedroom in a hotel in Oregon alone, of course, in a um the honeymoon suite of a hotel that had like a lipstick colored heart-shaped hot tub in the bedroom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the like sort of like separation of church and state. I think I I'm in favor of the separation of uh Bathing and sleeping, but <laughs> I do.
1: That's I, I <laughs> a founding principle of our country. Was was the separation of hot tubs and uh, water yes, beds?
0: Yes. So uh, anyway, like I do understand the whole concept of it all, and and especially at a casino hotel, I, I, I get it. But uh, but it just made me laugh because one thing our our eleven year old likes when I go to a hotel. Any hotel, she wants to FaceTime and have me give her a tour of the room on FaceTime or take a video. And it's usually, you know, here's the TV, here's the bed, here's the bathroom, here's the closet. Like, But this one, I walked in, I said, oh, I've got to uh, take video of this because our daughter will certainly want to see this one.
1: Uh, shall we get to viewer mail?
0: Let's get to viewer
2: mail. Take that our lure. Reel in with your viewer mail.
1: Dear Ball Slash Chain, writes Tom in Missouri. While I can claim to have eaten while I while I can claim to have eaten one hundred percent of the sandwiches my mother gave me for lunch, this is referring, of course, to my uh,
0: can or can't can. Okay, you know well, your story, but also the story of the the uh, middle school boy that we right, were talking right, about, right. who was uh, hiding is on his bookshelf.
1: Thirteen years of peanut butter and jelly, writes it, Tom. My teen years had more than enough events that. Uh, if recounted years later on a podcast would have induced excessive eye rolls heck they induced eye rolls at the time so i would not view sandwich stashing as being an indication of some character flaw i remember my father going up on the roof of our family store once and finding a bunch of unopened jello pudding cups there apparently thrown there every morning over a period of weeks by a kid on his way to school who didn't want to eat a jello pudding cup <laughs> why someone would turn down a jello pudding cup i don't know but there they were a bunch of unopened Jello pudding cups on the roof of the store. I
0: was always jealous of the kids who had the Jello pudding cups. Not so much the Jello like gelatin cups, but Jello pudding. That was a gold standard for for oh, lunch. Yeah, yeah. And, oh my uh, gosh! Uh,
1: endorsed by by no uh, uh, greater th- moral authority than <laughs> than Bill Cosby. <laughs> right. Uh, on a sort of recent episode, writes Tom, the topic of high school tennis line calls came up. When I played tennis in high school growing up in Southern California, the rule of thumb during matches was: when in doubt call it out. (laughs) Of course. I mean, that's, that's how that remains. However, my Catholic guilt far exceeded my competitiveness and I easily played more balls that were out than anyone on our team. One friend dubbed me Cyclops because I didn't want anyone to think I was cheating. So if the ball was anywhere close to the line, I considered it in and my game was not good enough to overcome giving away five or six points to the other side, every set leading to my very unspectacular high school tennis career. I have to say, um, as a recreational tennis player, I am the same way. If the ball is anywhere near the line, A, I'm playing it because my eyes aren't good enough to know from a distance if that thing's going to be in or out, and B, the whole point at that point is to play points, you know? Right. So.
0: And you're, at our age. You were about to say it, your advanced age. No, Go ahead. I was say your age, but at our age, isn't sort of the point to just get a good volley That's going exactly anyway? It.
1: Exactly it. That's why I don't like to. Do what you do and find the parking space nearest to the door because I, I, do I, I look for an opportunity to walk. I don't do that. You did it this weekend when we were at uh, an AAU basketball tournament, and staying in a hotel. You both at the venue and yeah, I didn't and get and well, near please, the door. Please, may I finish? You can finish, Ross Perot. But it's,
0: you're you're telling on truth. No, no.
1: You would you would oh. always pull in between two cars if it was near the door. Where I would always park. Ten spaces away, so that there's there's an empty space on either side of the car for us to get out with uh, at our at our leisure.
0: See, let me know when you're
1: done. Oh, I'm done. You're
0: done. When I'm parking somewhere, it's never about the entry; it's always about the exit.
1: First of all, when do I let you know that I'm done? You usually let me know that I'm done.
0: Okay, when I'm parking, yes, it's nothing about the, nothing to do with the entry. It's right. all about the exit so like i've taught our kids and i've mentioned this before when you park at the grocery store you park near the cart return just because it's true doesn't matter how far away it is you park there because when you're leaving when you're going in all you have is your reusable bags and your wallet but when you're leaving you're you have things full of groceries when we were at the hotel this weekend or when we were at the games this weekend i was not we were never parked anywhere near anything it was all okay what's going to be the easiest way for me to pull in the safest way for me to pull out of this parking lot to get where we're trying to go I, so I, that's i i'm thinking about the fastest escape more than the, anything to do with laziness
1: i can confirm that because a few of us yourself me uh two of our daughters and our son were after lunch yesterday and uh we drove separately <laughs> and you had you had you had you were parking for ease of exit because you had backed into a space in an empty lot.
0: It wasn't empty. No, it wasn't empty. There.
1: And uh, and then we all sat in the restaurant and looked out through its picture window at your parking spot, which was uh, straddling two spaces. It was
0: poorly done, but I, I'm going to c- call the Larry David on that one and say the reason I was... The person
1: who had parked previously the next parked to you? person
0: parked previously next to me was... Um, was in my space. And so, yeah, my, my one of my tires was on, on the line. It was not my finest work.
1: Finally, Tom writes, Steve mentioned once about keeping his baseball cards in a Velveeta cheese box. Absolutely. Something my brothers and I did as well, and it no doubt forever forged a bond for me between baseball and processed cheese. Well, I mean, that that's a, that's a uh, longstanding bond. If you have ever had a ballpark cheese with a Z uh, on your nachos, you know that processed cheese and baseball mm-hmm. go together like... Um, hot dogs in baseball. Steve and his brothers also probably did something like my brothers and I did, playing baseball in the backyard and using newspaper box scores to give us lineups. Because it was the same four of us hitting for everyone in the game, the heroes of those games were a rather random collection of big leaguers because I was just as likely to hit a home run as the cleanup hitter as I would as the number eight hitter. It's why the longest home run in family history is in one of those games clinched enduring fame for George Mitterwald, who happened to be up when I hit the only ball ever to clear our house. Now, it's amazing that he says this because George Mitterwald, Uh, was my first favorite player in baseball he was uh, the catcher, the very first one before I really knew much of anything about baseball Uh, his 1974 Topps card was a favorite of mine he was the Twins catcher and uh, I just I still remember to this day uh, the back of his card he lived in Orlando which made sense because that's where the Twins spring training was and the little cartoon little line-drawing cartoon on the back that gave personal information about the guys, which is my favorite thing, mm-hmm. said, had a picture of George. The, the player was always in full uniform, you know? If if they said, like, so-and-so, you know, delivered mail in the off-season, he would still be delivering the mail in a baseball uniform. Mm-hmm. And for George Murder-Wallet said, George likes to take home movies. And he had a little, like, a home movie camera, you know? Yes. So... So uh, and, and yeah, of course, we, we had we didn't require the box scores because and other others may have had the same experience at the at that age playing baseball in the backyard. You generally knew roughly the batting order of half the teams, if not all the teams in say the American League. So you know who what the leadoff hitters were, who the the cleanup hitters were, and uh, you would base your your batting orders off of that. Ah, uh, Tom. That's Tom in Clayton, Missouri. Tom is six four, hundred ninety pounds. His shoe size. Rebecca is six four, one ninety. Shoe size. Six
0: four, one ninety. So tall and lean. I give him a twelve or thirteen.
1: <sighs> twelve and a half. You absolutely nailed it.
0: I'm I'm good at this. Do they have half
1: sizes at this at this point? Because I I'm a twelve and I've never seen a twelve and a half. If I if I'm um, thinking about I don't
0: it. I don't think so. I think. I don't maybe some shoes
1: maybe when he says 12 and a half he he wears a 13 on his left foot and a a 12 on his right foot is that a possibility maybe
0: he wears a 13 and they're just a smidge too big
1: it's possible Uh, thank you Tom our next email comes from Jim in New Orleans hey Jim I don't know that we've heard from Jim in New Orleans before
0: Mm, I don't know maybe we've heard from Jim elsewhere maybe he's just in New Orleans for this maybe he is just in New Orleans maybe he
1: flew to New Orleans to send this email so as not to be traceable. Maybe. The obvious name for the pedicure, uh, cheesecake factory and pedicure series. Now, now, you went to a pedicure place that had a cheesecake factory like menu, right? Correct. That yes. be called the Feet Cake Factory, right?
0: Oh, right. Yes.
1: Jim writes the, uh, <laughs> the obvious name for the pedicure place offering the laminated pictured menu mentioned in last week's brief pod is the Toad Cheese Factory. <laughs> And then that's it, Jim in New Orleans. <laughs> Jim, I have to say, you're right. Of course you are.
0: And if this is your first correspondence, yep. it's a great way to start. It is. And
1: and, and, and I have to say, with the pun completely intended, he nailed it. He did. Uh, then our next uh, viewer mail comes from Anil, uh, spelled K-N-E-E-L. <laughs> no, it's not. It's N-E-I-L. Though it could be N-E-A-L, right? But yes, it's not; good. it's any aisle, dear Restiva. As they say in sports radio parlance, I'm a first-time, long-time viewer as a completionist.
0: Ooh! So we're hearing, we're hearing, we're hearing
1: from a couple of first timers. I like it. Your discussion about Rebecca and your daughter planning on hobnobbing with celebrities in Los Angeles around the ESPYS prompted me to write in. One of my best ever celebrity sightings happened in an elevator at the Hilton Hotel on Sixth Avenue in Manhattan in 1998. Ooh, Rebecca, Sixth Avenue, Hilton. 1998. Okay, That year, the NBA All-Star festivities were being celebrated at the same time I left college in Rhode Island to meet my parents in Manhattan. They live in Philadelphia for a weekend celebration. At check-in, the hotel lobby was resplendent with basketball celebrities, including a single glance that included the great Jerry West and Charles Barkley at adjacent tables in the lobby bar. This delighted both me and my father, both lifelong basketball junkies. But the most enjoyable moment as we made our way to our rooms was being joined by none other than The great Rebecca Lobo in the hotel elevator for the ride upstairs. Where you were going was none of my business, but sharing an elevator with you and my parents, the tallest of us who top out at 5'10", was quite a thrill. That's what I call hobnobbing with celebrities. Neil, it's uh, 1998, the Midtown Hilton, uh, riding the elevator with Rebecca. Rebecca, was that the last time you rode a hotel elevator? Because I was with you in a hotel this weekend, and you took the stairs and as we were as we often do because of your claustrophobia and and your and your people phobia and as we were taking the stairs at a fairfield inn for an AU basketball tournament uh, our high school daughter said oh these stairs are nicer than the ones in uh, in new jersey yeah. these stairs are nicer than the ones in asbury park so the whole family has a history of taking hotel stairs and parking garage stairs and uh, office stairs because you don't like to ride the elevator.
0: But like when I'm in LA and we're on the eighth or ninth floor or whatever it was, of course I take the elevator as long as it's not crowded. I don't. It's not that I don't like elevators. I don't like crowded eleva, elevators. And if I'm staying in a hotel that and I'm on like, I don't know, I think this one, we were on the third or fourth floor. I think the one in New Jersey was on the fifth floor it's just easier to take of the course, stairs of and it's, and it's better for you. Although I, I will say this,
1: going I wouldn't say it's good for you, but, but it, <laughs> going
0: to the SVs,
1: you, if do you think taking the stairs in a hotel is extending your life in some way.
0: No, but I think it's probably better for me. Like sure. It gives you a little exercise staying. I was staying on the eighth floor in LA, got on the elevator in my gown and my heels with our daughter and Holly and there were a couple other people on the elevator. I was totally fine. We go down to the seventh floor. couple people get on. And now we're to the point where you're mushed. And a guy's looking. He's like, oh, I'll wait for the next one. he said, no, I'm going to squeeze on. If you're going to squeeze on, it's too many people in the elevator. So he squeezed on. And I just... I you squeezed at, off? I looked at Holly and our daughter. I said, I can't do it. And I got off. And seven flights of stairs isn't that big of a deal other than it was really hot and heels going downstairs in heels is is a challenge it's actually more difficult than going upstairs in heels and um but anyway got to the bottom and uh and was just thinking and 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 Holly and our daughter told me it was a good thing you got off because like one floor lower than that like another couple people squeezed on and it was just like sardine elevator I'm, I'm not a fan of that
1: ginger rogers did everything that fred astaire did except downstairs and heels you have no idea nobody has any idea what i'm talking about that's okay pardon
0: that's okay
1: there was a saying ginger rogers did everything that fred astaire did except backwards and in heels because uh, she was right, his dance right. partner of course i got no credit um and and more importantly rebecca what are your memories of neil on that elevator
0: i remember neil um looking at me kind of creepy no i'm just kidding um, <laughs> I do remember that all-star game. I remember the, the lobby crawling with um, women in short dresses and high heels hoping to meet NBA players. And
1: college students meeting their parents from Philadelphia.
0: Yes. And, um, and that all-star game at at Madison Square Garden um, that may have been Kobe Bryant's rookie year, but I remember um, walking, I was because I was participating in, I think two ball challenge i forget what it was even called on on all-star saturday it was myself alan houston and um and and somebody else who was a a, like a knicks legend and we i don't remember the team that we competed against but being kind of behind um at madison square garden and kobe going by and i'd never met him before and you know he was still a boy um well young man i should say uh but like right right out of high school and i remember him going by like hi rebecca and i just said hello to him Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a fun all-star weekend.
1: As an aside writes, Neil, there was much talk many episodes ago about having viewers of the podcast in all 50 states and beyond. While I live in Pennsylvania, which I know has already been represented, I work as a physician at a hospital in the great state of Delaware. Most of my listening to your lovely musings is in the car as I make my way down I-95 or I-495. In Delaware to work thus I've long thought Delaware should be included in your list of locations where there are loyal podcast viewers. Neil uh, is a completionist so uh, perhaps he remembers that Delaware was the final holdout. remember when we were we were um, making a map of the states in those yes, first episodes yes. of where we had been yes uh, listened to and Delaware was the final final holdout
0: yes. That's right.
1: Well, Neil works in Delaware, lives in Pennsylvania. We can count him as a as a Delawarean, oh, right? Oh, for
0: sure, yes.
1: Thanks for the many hours of fun. Keep up the good work. Best Neil, who lives in Swarthmore, Pennsylvania, but who works as a non resident cardiologist in Delaware. Doesn't give us his vitals, but uh, I'm guessing he said the tallest uh, of his family topped out at five ten. So Rebecca guess Neil's shoe size.
0: Is it in there? No, no, no. Oh, I'm, so I'm
1: just we're just we're you can't be wrong.
0: But you have you given me any vitals? Well,
1: no. All we know is that the tallest member of his family topped out at five ten.
0: Tallest member of his family topped out at five ten. I'm going to put Neil at a size ten.
1: We'll never know. Perhaps we'll know. No,
0: we will know. He'll respond.
1: Our next viewer mail comes uh, from Ed, our Ball and Chain resident patent attorney. And Ed writes, hi, Stephen, Rebecca. Sorry for not sending this along sooner. Attached is a picture of Ralph in Maryland at the right. And me laughed at a recent ball game waiting out a rain delay. Alas, Mother Nature prevailed and the game was never played. Here's our resident patent attorney, Ed, and Ralph in Maryland. Together.
0: I think we're allowed to post that?
1: I certainly hope so. Ed is in a uh, Washington Capitals hat and Ralph is in a Pittsburgh Pirates hat.
0: Look at this. There they are. Oh, that's amazing. All right. Oh, this morning I posted a bunch of pictures to our Ball and Chain Instagram account. So um, so I, I'm, I'm getting a little bit better. I know I said I'd do it last week, but I'm getting there.
1: So Ed writes, we were in Frederick, Maryland to watch the Frederick Keys. Francis Scott Key was born in Frederick County. Their mascot is a coyote named Keyote. Whatever they're playing, the kid in that costume, it's not enough. Small town baseball is always fun, though. It's America. As for the briefcase question, I carry one. Ed carries... Of course, as a patent attorney, he carry you would of you'd want him, he right? Yes. You would want you, I I don't want my patent attorney carrying a backpack, right? No. Uh,
0: I don't even want my patent attorney carrying like a cross-body no, no, bag. No, 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 no. A briefcase uh, uh, is uh, really uh, the only acceptable. I
1: think it relates to an antecedent question of whether a person requires paper. I take notes by hand in client meetings, etc., and rely on those. I also sometimes print out documents and read the hard copy. It's a comfort thing and as a reflection of my age, I admit. Anyway, I need something to carry that stuff. I do all my writing on a computer, though, and I suppose you do too, Steve. As for Rebecca, I recall that she keeps paper files color-coded for various college teams. I'm curious, Rebecca, do you take the relevant files on the road with you, and what do you carry them in? Best to both of you, Ed.
0: Yes. So I bring the relevant files on the road with me. Um, So, for example, this weekend I am doing a Seattle Storm at Washington Mystics game. So I will have a green Seattle Storm folder and a red, I think it's red, Probably not blue, red. Washington Mystics folder, and when I open those folders, I will have my game boards um, from whatever games I've done of theirs this year, plus the most recent game board. Same thing on the left side. I have a piece of paper that will that has the notes from the co- coach or player conversations from every game I've done that season, and I do somewhere in the house every year. I keep those folders, and then when I travel to a game, my a backpack is my um, is my briefcase. My backpack is my briefcase. And in it, I only have the folder for the team from that season on occasion, like the beginning of the college season next year, I will also have the previous year's folder for that team. But as as the season goes on, and the stories and the players and stuff are, are new, um, when the stories are fresh, I will only carry the the folder from that season. If
1: I got you a briefcase for your birthday, would you use that in lieu of your backpack?
0: No. I like the backpack because sometimes I put it on as a backpack.
1: If I got a, you a leather briefcase with combination locks, mm-hmm. uh, a beautiful leather briefcase, and uh, monogrammed in, in gold leaf SJR, my initials, mm-hmm. would you use it? No. Then but could I use it? You
0: could use it, Yes.
1: Bob in Huntersville in North Carolina writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, I'm still riding the wave of excitement at having batted cleanup on last week's viewer mail. Uh, he has an asterisk there and says, "Note that episode two sixteen was an abbreviated episode of the podcast. It was recorded on a Monday to accommodate Rebecca's sp's travel schedule, thus interfering with Dr. Gary Siegel's writing schedule." I like that Bob includes his own disclaimer I know. on his email. That's great. Uh, to pass the time on a flight last month, I read "At the Office with Dad" in the July issue of Sports Illustrated. That's a story that I wrote about uh, Major League players of the fifties, sixties, and seventies and their their children, interviewing their children. Uh, about stories about life growing up mm. but, uh, with a famous baseball dad. Upon return from the trip, I was entertained by Milk in the August issue, uh, another story that I wrote for SI about uh, the I long really history of sports your and milk. milk. Story. Thank you. With each arrival of the magazine, I checked the contents to see if there's an offering from Steve. If so, it's the first feature I read. Two months in a row is a delightful treat. Um, thank you, Bob. I appreciate that. Recently, I also finished my second reading of Stingray Afternoons. I knew the stories, but still laughed on every page. You know, Rebecca, I with all of my books, I haven't. You, you get so sick of the material by the time the book is published um, that I I haven't read any of my books in book form.
0: Really? None I, of them.
1: I, I, I thought you were going to say neither have I.
0: No, well, because sometimes they come out so much so long after you've written yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, I've you I've, I've, re- book tour, I, I, I've read I've like
1: read the page the proof, them? so I know. I mean, I've read xeroxed. Um, photocopies of, of the pages. But, uh, you know, when, it, when it's actually bound between covers, no. Huh. Who comes up with the topics for your one-word title essays? Examples from recent editions of SI include milk, dads, tickets, backyards, handshakes, asterisks. Does another challenge you by saying, I bet you can't give me 2,000 words about blank. Uh, fill in the blank but with only one word. Well, um, I have to say, let's see, milk, uh, tickets, backyards, uh, handshakes, and asterisks. These are, recent, these are story subjects of the last Year, year plus year mm-hmm. or two and milk was my editor adam duerson dad's uh one of the one of the um came from uh Harmon son ken killebrew uh contacted me and i had a conversation with him then with his friend billy martin jr and then with irene hodges the daughter of gil hodges and that that sort of developed that way uh, tickets was probably from adam duerson Backyards was my idea. Handshakes, Adam Dewarson, and asterisks uh, was the kind of most ridiculous, obscure uh, story that I, I take these as a challenge. You know, is there any... Adam Dewarson um, at my editor at Sports Illustrated asked, he said, I don't even know if this makes any sense, but is there anything, any story um, to be done about asterisks in sports? And I said, let me think about it. And you eventually sort of write your way into these things, and, and as it turned out, there was. Uh, your simplest of palindromes, Bob. Bob, uh, thank you for letting me talk about the nuts and bolts of of uh, writing, because I never get to do that. Certainly when I try to around here, Rebecca uh, chloroforms me with a with a washcloth, and, and I wake up like three days later having forgotten what we were talking about.
0: Chloroforms you? Yes. <laughs>
1: okay. You just actually, metaphorically, you just walk out of the room. Yeah. Phil writes, um, this next email comes from Phil, Phil, Phil writes. This is what Phil writes, okay? Okay,
0: this is what Phil wrote.
1: Phil wrote, this next email comes from Phil in Lincoln, California. <laughs> Thank you, Phil, for providing the, uh, Phil is our self-declared resident craft beer snob and connoisseur of great Russian novels. R-U-S-H-I-N.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Phil is providing his own intro. I love I this. I know,
0: this is, this is making it easy.
1: Hello, Rostiva. Continues, Phil, I watched a recent story on Jane Pauley's Sunday morning show, CBS Sunday morning, and it hit the sweet spot of Rebecca's ongoing support for women's sports and Steve's appreciation for clever bar names. Uh, Before we get to that, we should say that we had a lovely evening with Jane Pauley Mm -hmm. and her husband, Gary Trudeau, Doonesbury uh, creator, at an event in in Hartford. And I can tell you when it was, it was 2016, because that night, later that night, the Cubs won the World Series. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. A few years back, and, and a Connecticut, Connecticut uh, sometime Connecticut residence, I believe. A few years back, a group of women friends met at their local sports bar in Portland, Oregon to watch an NCAA women's basketball Final Four game between Baylor and Notre Dame. To their disappointment, the bartender would not turn the sound on, instead, prioritizing a men's football game. Rebecca, I told you about this story. Yes. This is the uh, sports bar in Portland that mm-hmm. only shows women's sports. Love it. The women figuratively cried over their beer and one declared, the only way we can fix this is if we open a bar ourselves. That moment was the trigger and inspiration for for Jenny Wing to open a sports bar that only televises women's sports. Jenny says that it's difficult to make it 100% as roughly only 8% of all sports televised are women's. Nevertheless, she holds to her mission and only televises women's sports. It was a great story on CBS Sunday Morning. It is available online, at least uh, part of it is because I think I showed it to you. Uh, The bar is called... Rebecca, do you remember what the bar is called?
0: No, but I remember it had a good name.
1: The Sports Bra.
0: The Sports Bra, that's right.
1: Not the Sports Bar. That's right.
0: The Sports Bra. Yes. The logo
1: for the bar is below, a green decal with a depiction of a sports bra. The tagline for the bar is, we support you.
0: (laughs) That's so great.
1: I've also included the URL for the Portland-based Sports Bra in case you would like to learn more. I'm sure Rebecca's voice is revered by the regular Sports Bra supporters. I suspect Steve eventually could come up with a clever name for this loyal group of supporters. Uh, this comes again from uh, Phil in Lincoln California, our self-declared resident craft beer snob and connoisseur of great Russian novels. Uh, Phil, I would love to know what uh, what um, the um, the chateau Lafitte Rothschild of of craft beers is in your mind and of course this varies from state to state, but give me your best uh, local craft beer in California. Finally, Rebecca, we have uh, Two, count them, two emails from Dr. Gary Siegel. Well,
0: it's only fitting we have to make up for last
1: Absolutely. So the second of his emails is headed headed two emails in one podcast. Please do the other one first, okay? Okay. So here's the other one that we're doing first. This is from Dr. Siegel, and and the header, Rebecca, draws you in in response to a question that we asked on the podcast. Dr. Siegel's header is, the ins and outs of... Of innies
0: and outies. Uh, well worth the wait.
1: Some, somebody, probably you, asked. Um,
0: no, it was a, a viewer. A
1: viewer, Asked yes. about uh, innies and outies. So we go to the source. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes uh, DGS, I'm so glad that you had a nice visit to Minnesota and are undoubtedly preparing for your daughter's departure next month to college with mixed emotions. Please know that a large portion of your viewers have sent children away for college and have lived to tell the tale. With that, best of luck and have plenty of Kleenex handy and keep us posted. Rebecca, I believe later today you are taking our daughter shopping, shopping for dorm stuff, right? Yes. Uh, a shower caddy. Most she of it has remained a, timeless.
0: Some towels. Yeah.
1: The, the stuff that everybody has ever needed to lamp. go to college.
0: Yeah. I, I, When when she texted us last night that her dorm room does not come with a overhead light, made me think, tuition's pretty high at all on all schools? Really? There's not an overhead light in her room. You've got to get a couple of lamps. I get it. You want it, a couple of lamps, but
1: in fairness, I don't yeah. think I don't think um electricity had been invented when those freshman dorms were yeah, built at her yeah, university.
0: Cuz these days it's not so much about having lamps, it's about w- wasting an outlet on uh Unplugging plugging in a lamp. I but sent, I suppose light is important.
1: I sent her an illustration last night and said you can always Scrooge it. And and there was a Scrooge in a nightgown with the, with the candle, you know, the with a little candle. loop on it, yeah, the the yeah. candle. Uh, one, writes Dr. Siegel, viewer Sam Farmer of the Los Angeles Times attended Wimbledon early in July and wrote a great story about Rufus the Hawk, an important member of the Wimbledon family who keeps pigeons away. The link is below. It is a terrific story. And we should have Sam back on soon it's been too long yeah he has too many stories that accumulated since then he covers wimbledon and the british open golf back to back most summers two i listened to the podcast over the weekend while biking and Quirtle came up so i thought i would attach a picture of sunday's Quirtle number 174 in which i was exceedingly fortunate to solve the four words on lines four through seven i've been playing Quordle, and uh a four five six seven solve is is the best you can do great Well, you could guess the right words, I guess, and do it one, two, three, four, but I don't imagine that's ever happened. Three, wise and alert viewer Tom from Clayton, Missouri, understands why Steve does what he does in certain circumstances and has offered to the podcast an unconditional Steve's right whenever such a declaration is needed. I certainly am a shipmate in the SS Clueless along with Tom and Steve. and We just heard from Tom in this this podcast, and I hope that means Dr. Siegel also gives me a blanket Steve is right. Uh, oh yeah. he
0: said he's 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 part of SS clueless. That's he's on board with you and Tom.
1: That's correct. I, I now understand uh, that reference. Yeah. Since uh, be, as a member of SS clueless, I, I didn't understand the reference <laughs> you didn't at first. At first, when you read it, yes. <laughs> but I'm glad I'm not SS crewless. Mm. Since asked, I have no. Re- this is for. Since asked, I have no recollection of ever having stuffed food. Or sandwiches and desks, sofas, etc., but certainly have found set items, especially empty candy wrappers, in our sofa cushions likely left there from our children. But, Dr. Siegel, the question is, have you ever thrown uh, Jello puddings onto uh, rooftops?
0: On the rooftop of a store.
1: Five, and by the way, when do we get to the innies and outies, Dr. Siegel?
0: Well he's he's okay. no He knows how to build suspense. That's true.
1: Five, after several wins by Red Bull Racing, Ferrari has fought back in the championship with Carlos Sainz, winning his maiden race at Silverstone in England. Followed by an impressive win by the Monegasque Charles Leclerc in Austria at a circuit owned by Red Bull, which has typically favored Red Bull's reigning world champion Max Verstappen. Verstappen still leads the championship, but we're only halfway through the season with four more European races before the F1 Circus. Those to flyaway races. Next up, the home race for French driver Pierre Gasly at the Circuit Paul Ricard. Mm. All boldface so I could uh, give the proper French pronunciation. Six, over the weekend, the New York Times featured a long article about Formula One. I read it, focusing on the Netflix series Drive to Survive. That's also what drew me into into Formula One and how the series, perhaps combined with the pandemic, created the perfect storm to finally attract Americans to the sport. The link is below. It does mention a third, Rebecca, an unprecedented third F1 race coming to the United States. There's one in Austin. There's one in Miami. And soon there will be one in Las Vegas. The United States will be the only country to have three F1 races. And um, it went from metaphorically, 0 to 200 very quickly because uh, it went from off the radar to very much on it. 7. Lastly, I am afraid that my scientific research, leaning on the online medical reference up to date, revealed nothing about any or Audis. However, Google is always a friend and I was able to come up with this information from Mental Floss, with my thanks to Kurt for having broached the topic. Rebecca, I'm afraid that the obstetrician's clamping of the umbilical cord, which is typically cut by the father, does not influence the appearance of the belly button, as outlined below. Mm. We thought, we thought, like you thought, like a high clamp resulted in an outing. I, I
0: thought there would be some correlation.
1: Two, so this is from uh, this is from Kurt, I think, on Mental Floss. Doctors can't choose a baby's belly button shape. Whether your belly button caves in or sticks out has nothing to do with how your doctor cut or clamped your umbilical cord. It all comes down to the amount of space between the skin and the abdominal wall, which determines how much skin and scar tissue is left behind. You can't do anything to make sure babies have an any or outie. Dr. Dan Polk, a neonatologist neonat- at Children's Memorial Hospital in Chicago, told the Chicago Tribune it has to do with how much baby's skin leads onto the umbilical cord from the baby's body, less skin makes an innie, more skin makes an outie. About 90% of people have innies, and the rest are outies.
0: That's interesting, right?
1: It is interesting. I would have guessed
2: 90-10. Would you?
1: I think I did on the air, actually. Okay. But, but if I didn't, I would have, yes. Okay. Well, what, what would you have guessed? I don't know. And finally, uh, Dr. Gary Siegel is protecting, uh, in the batting order, himself dr gary siegel who is batting behind dr gary siegel tonight perfect dr gary siegel the writes dear rebecca and steve there have been many hard decisions that mrs dgs and i have faced over the years as well as those that we face personally should we have another baby do we buy a new house and so forth i make i make hard decisions at work albeit thankfully not often to send a note this week was a no-brainer but i do apologize to the viewers as these notes do lengthen the podcast i do keep a running draft of items in an email and try to add memorable topics as they come up between the podcast and of course during the podcast so Without further ceremony, but Dr. Siegel never apologized for your, your uh, essential viewer males, viewers male. One, like Mrs. Russian, Steve, Mrs. DGS has suggested that I get a pedicure from time to time to soften the skin of my heels. I've not yet had one, but Steve, perhaps our paths will cross one day over a cup of Joe and a petty. Perhaps we'll do that at the Atochi's factory.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Two, Mrs. DGS bought an air fryer from Costco about two months ago and has now made it from downstairs to our kitchen by her handiwork. It is now even out of the box and the shelves, etc., are unpacked and in place. We'll likely read the instructions soon and plug it in. It's uh, shown pictured with our very old toaster oven. And by the way, I am somewhat aware of the differences between the two appliances. Now, uh, somebody was telling us yesterday, um, our daughter's friend, that her dad, our friend, uses his air fryer all the time, that the air fryer is now the big thing.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Air fryers are this huge. This is
1: because I purchased a $39 toaster oven yesterday. Mm-hmm. Our son set it at, at the medium setting, and the toast came out completely blackened, mm-hmm. smoldering. That's I think I think to- a
0: toaster oven is a thing that you you have to... Each one has its own personality, and you have to figure out what the personality is of your toaster oven so you know what setting to put it on. I just
1: keep thinking of Florence Henderson, Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Carol Brady, with the Wessonality commercials. You remember right, those? Right.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Three, a recent New Yorker article uh, alerted me to the Northwoods Baseball Radio Network, which is a podcast of fake games and sans-aloud commercials, yelling, et cetera. The links to the article and to the podcast are below. The Northwoods Baseball Radio Network, a podcast of fake games. Rebecca?
0: A podcast of fake games.
1: Rebecca's wincing games. at me. She, she's thinking... She's thinking uh, just listening to real games of baseball on the radio is not something that appeals to her. And listening to fake games seems even less likely to.
0: How do you even do that? I
1: don't know. We'll have to follow the link. Like and ahead find out. of
0: time, do you do you like sketch out what's going to happen uh, in the games so that you can then call it? Because the beauty of calling sports is that it happens in front of you. You have no idea what's going to happen. And then you describe it. And And how do you do that if you're not actually watching something happen?
1: Four attached. Please find a picture of a garage floor drain that catches the efflux of water. Can we say efflux on the podcast? I don't
0: know. just did.
1: The efflux of water from the HVAC units after the air conditioning runs, as well as any overflow from the catch pans underneath our water heaters, HVAC units, and washing machine. The drain backed up over the weekend while I was away, and again, Mrs. DGS to the rescue. She asked if I could bring home a syringe of sorts to drain the excess water until Chris, our friendly plumber, could come. Please see in the picture a 60- uh, milliliter catheter tip syringe used for surgery without helping without help from a friend of the pod mike Golick, senior so dr siegel is using surgical equipment to uh
0: to help with a uh, little extra water flow yes um was he using it or was mrs well dr gary there, there, siegel. there are no
1: humans in the uh, in the picture um Five, Rebecca. I share your sadness regarding the loss of the Barbie paraphernalia related to your maturing twelve-year-old. My daughter was twelve when, in Toy Story 2, Jessie the toy cowgirl was left behind under the bed while her own, while her owner and a friend put on nail polish. During that scene, I looked at my daughter, perhaps with a small tear in my eye, and she rolled her eyes. The link below is the short video of the song and scene. Of course, it's a oh, great scene. Oh, that just
0: made it me sad, hard. though. I, know. I-, I hadn't really been very sad about our daughter getting, you know, purging some of her. Little yeah. girl toys, but I'd never thought of it from the toys perspective. Of course, toy now, story. Now I'm legit a little bit melancholy about that.
1: Six friend of the pot Holly Rose Instagram account has shown me that you and your plus one were looking very polished and had a great time at the Espies. You were indeed looking very polished, Rebecca. I, well thank you. Or, or or there yeah, I I, I didn't know if he had miscatalyzed and you were looking very Polish because you are of course part that. Yes. of Polish descent. You're both polished and Polished. Seven last but certainly not least, Steve. Your recent story in Sports Illustrated regarding milk and athletes was, in a word, delicious. Thank you, Dr. Siegel. I it appreciate was it. All the best, Gary, with two R's. Um, and that's uh, that's about all we have, Rebecca. It was a lot, it was a lot. Thank you, as ever, to Dr. Siegel for uh, back to back home run emails. Yes, and thank um, you. what's left?
0: Well, for Denny Gallagher and Steve and me. Thank you to Tom Dick Hari and all of our podcast viewers and listeners. And uh, check out Instagram because I am going to post things and did this morning. On that note,
1: play us out. Play
0: us out.
2: Sings has no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet living in a cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity. To a daily test Androgynous and figuist What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane